So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to, we're going to get right in and, and talk about God giving us the power to persevere. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your purposes and your promises. Our faith is to be rooted in your promises to us. And thank you for what those promises mean when we're in the midst of things that are difficult. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about the Ten Commitments. And as we've been saying, before we can keep God's commandments, we must believe that God can keep his commitments. And as we think about God's commitments, they really they relate relative to our past and our present and the future. I want you to think about the past, roads that you have traveled, some of which are very difficult. Um, we are able to trust in the fact that God sees you. He sympathizes with you. He deals gently with you. And he loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced. Those things are true. Now you think about the road ahead, the uncertainty of it. And what we're able to know is that God changes you. If there's things that God needs to do, wants to do, he changes you. He chooses you. Good is ahead of you. And good is guaranteed to you because, as the New Covenant states, his care is not interrupted by our sin. He is helios, gracious, favorable, merciful, benevolent, non-reactive to our unrighteousnesses. And he remembers our sins no more. So there is comfort as we look at our past. There is comfort as we look at our future. There's also comfort as we think about the present. And the last two commitments kind of relate to today. And the ninth commitment is God gives us the power to persevere. The role of perseverance is mentioned too often in the Bible to ignore. It is reflected in book after book, author after author. It doesn't matter whether the, the authors of the different books, the different letters, sometimes they sound a little bit different, but one consistent chord and theme is the importance of perseverance. James writes, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And what that means is this, if spiritual maturity is the destination, then perseverance is going to be part of what allows us to arrive at that destination. In order to equip us to arrive at the place where we are mature and complete, lacking nothing, God gives us the power to persevere. Let's think about how that happens. I ran into a quote. It's attributed to different people. I think maybe the one a couple hundred years ago by a man named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. And here's what he has to say. There are only two lasting bequests we can hope to give our children. One of these is roots and the other wings. And so when we think about God giving us the power to persevere, those two things really do 
represent what God develops in us. He develops roots and he develops wings in us. Let's think about both of those briefly when we think about God giving us the power to persevere. Um, In the parable of the sower, and when Jesus is explaining, this is what he says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And so what it's describing is a plant on rocky soil. And can this plant then, because it's on rocky soil, the root system cannot go down deep into the soil. It can't draw the moisture it needs from shallow rocky soil and therefore is unable to survive in adverse weather conditions. If it can't sustain itself by what it draws from the ground, it can't cope with what it's going to contend with above the ground. And Jesus is using this to make a point about spirituality and applied spiritually In the time of testing, these individuals who believe what he says, but in the time of testing or temptation, they fall away. Learning to remain, because that's literally what perseverance means. It means to remain under. You're in a circumstance that you'd like to change if you could, but you can't. You don't have the power to extricate yourself from a difficult circumstance. And perseverance is not having the ability to get out. It's learning to remain under a circumstance. Um, Learning to remain under unwelcome, unwanted circumstances is what perseverance requires. So again, we could ask, how is this developed? Jesus Half-brother James wrote a letter, and in his letter, he gives us some guidance about developing perseverance. Here's what he says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance is developed by experiencing trials, by going through trials, difficulties, circumstances that we would change if we could. By going through those things, we develop the ability to trust God. Once you imagine, just as an illustration, that there is, I'm on, the, I'm on a cliff face, and I'm harnessed in. The way it works when you're repelling from a cliff face, there is an, there's a device up on top of the mountain, driven into rock, and a line has been run through an eyelet that is connected to my harness, and the, there's the other side of the line. It's way down at the bound, and there's individuals who are grasping the line. So if I trip, if I fall from the cliff face when I'm repelling, they can, then can, can keep me from falling. I want you to think about me being attached to this belay line. And let's say that there are a couple auxiliary lines, not the main belay line. There's a couple auxiliary lines that are just there to provide a little bit added 
uh, comfort, but that main line is the one that can hold me up. I want you to imagine that I'm on that cliff face, and, and I trust the line. I trust this line's going to hold me up, no matter what happens. And let's say that these auxiliary lines begin to fray a little bit. Now, I might say I trust in this main line, but my real ability, my, the real evidence of whether I trust or not is how I react when these auxiliary sorts of security, they start to fray and give away. And if I look and they're doing so and I, I start to panic, I'm putting more hope in these auxiliary things. And what's my point? Let's let this main line represent God. And he can hold us up. He can support us from what we go through. And we believe that. But we also have these other things, money and health and relationships, auxiliary lines of security. Now, we say we trust in him, but when health issues and financial issues social issues, emotional issues start to fray, then it's a little bit harder to trust that this main God line will support us. I want you to think about these lines snapping. And what would happen? There would be a fear that would cause us to cling, but you know what's going to happen? When we experience some adversity, We are, if I'm on this line, I'm going to experience something. You know what? This line is able to hold me up. It is able to hold me. That seems to be the way it works. Um, when we are walking with God, he allows things, causes things that we depend on to become not as secure as we would like. And in those times, we have to cling to him more, but in clinging to him, we learn that we can trust him, but it's not a very pleasant it's not a very pleasant lesson, but it seems biblically to be a non-negotiable one. So here's my question. If you're in the middle of unwanted circumstances, experiencing things that you'd rather not experience, threats that you'd rather not contend with, discomforts that you'd rather not have. It's normal for us to believe I'm on the wrong road. Spiritually, it doesn't mean that at all. If you're experiencing some difficulties, what James indicates is you're on the right road because that's how God develops our ability to trust him. The road God places us on will cause us to experience unwanted circumstances and unwelcome thoughts and feelings. The temptation when we get in these uncomfortable places, the temptation will be to blame somebody, to blame ourselves, and to blame others, or to blame God. It's interesting what James says as he goes on. When you think about yourself in an uncomfortable circumstances, this is James' advice. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. What God wants us to do when we're in a challenging place, he wants us to ask him for wisdom. Now, that wisdom won't necessarily allow us to get out from under a difficult circumstance. In fact, probably just the opposite. 
Wisdom would be what we need to be able to stay in it. Because when we learn to remain in difficult places and cling to God, that's what develops perseverance. And what it says, perseverance is non-negotiable. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what this means for us, the tool that God uses to craft deep-rooted spiritual development are difficulties, trials. And what he wants us to do when we get in that place, our natural tendency will be, get me out of here, and that's okay to be honest with God. But what he also wants us to ask him for, God, give me wisdom so that I can think and act in the way you want me to think and act. There was an, ex- an experiment done in the early 1980s called the Biodome. It was an exercise to create the perfect living environment for human beings, plant, and animal life. Uh, A huge glass dome was constructed. Artificial controlled environment was created. The perfect growing condition for trees, fruits, and vegetables. They had purified air, purified water, filtered light, so on and so on. It was a perfect living environment. Uh, People lived in the biodome for months at a time. It was wonderful because everyone was doing well. It was a wonderful environment to live in, except for one exception. When trees that were planted grew to a certain height, they would simply topple over, just fall right over. Uh, It baffled scientists for the longest time until one day they realized that the one natural element they forgot to recreate in the biodome was wind. When a wind blows against the tree, it's that stress of the wind that causes the tree to put down its roots deep into the soil to anchor itself. And that doesn't happen when there is not the wind to challenge. Trees need wind to blow against them, which in turn causes their root systems to grow deeper into the soil, which in turn supports the tree as it grows taller. In order to cause us to drive our faith deep into the soil of his promises, we will, adver- we will experience adverse conditions. And it's, and it's the experience of adversity that causes us to drive the roots of our faith deep into his promises. Somebody put it this way, we really don't trust God until we have to. This is how God develops roots. It's also how he develops wings. It says in Isaiah, I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. It says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord 
will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah is addressing people who feel discouraged. They feel dismissed and disregarded. They look at their lives and they sigh. And they look towards God and they have difficult questions, which are these. Are you aware? Do you see what's going on? They are in difficult places and they wonder, do you even see? Because certainly if you saw, then you do something. Oh, but maybe you do see and it's not that you're unaware, it's that you don't care. And they are struggling with both of those questions. You see what I'm dealing with? Is it that you're unaware or is it that you don't care? Difficult questions, questions that we ask in difficult times. God assures them that he didn't fall asleep on the job. He didn't fail to understand the stress they were under. He tells them that he is the source of the strength that they need. He placed them in the overwhelming circumstance so that they would have to find a source of strength greater than their own, so that they would have to call out on him for wisdom. Why does God do this? He does it to develop not just roots, but wings. I'm going to read from 40 days with the Ten Commitments um, and day 19. It's about God gives me the power to persevere. Isaiah 40, 30 says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Dismissed and disregarded. When the prophet Isaiah opened his mouth to speak, he was addressing people who felt abandoned by God. Tough crowd. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Either God is unaware of our plight, or he knows about it, but doesn't care enough to do anything about it. This is what they thought. And they were tired of his lack of responsiveness to their needs. The Red Sea days were distant memories. Miraculous crossings had been replaced by foreign invasions. Water experiences in which God's power was visible had been replaced by wilderness experiences in which it was invisible. Dismissed, disregarded, tired, weary. What does God say to people who feel this way? What does God say to people who feel forgotten? It says, Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. God encouraged them. He did not scold them for being tired. Neither did he excuse them from needing to persevere. He encouraged them to hope in him so that they might renew their strength. Strength would cause them to soar on wings like eagles. Weariness is the problem. Weariness is the problem. Strength is the need. And hope is the solution. Great. 
So if we feel dismissed, disregarded, tired, and weary, all we need to do is add hope in God to our to-do list. That seems like adding another bag of groceries to someone whose arms are already full. Like giving somebody who is already tired something else to do. What exactly, where exactly are we to find this hope? How do we hope in God? How do we hope in God? God has to teach us how to hope in him. Learning to hope in God takes time. Learning to hope in God is like learning to fly. When God teaches us to hope in him, he is, as it says in Deuteronomy 32, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. When an eagle stirs up the nest, it causes stones and sticks to poke through the fur that blankets the nest. The eaglet is disturbed. It can't rest. It's uncomfortable. The eagle represents, the eagle then creates a commotion, and actually what the eagle will do to the nest is tip it. When the eagle tips the nest, since it's located on a cliff, the eaglet is now airborne. At that point, the eagle hovers over its young, watching it fall, but not rushing in right away. When the time is right, the eagle swoops down, spreads its wings, and carries the eaglet to safety until the next flying lesson. This process continues until the eaglet's wings are strong enough to enable it to soar. This is how an eagle teaches its young to fly. How it teaches its young to use its wings. God stirs up our nest. The sticks and stones of uncomfortable days disturb us. We encounter turbulent circumstances. We feel dismissed by him, disregarded by him. God hovers over us as we pass through these circumstances. He swoops in and carries us, all the while teaching us to trust him, teaching us to use hope to renew strength. God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. In fact, he's hovering over you. God gives us the power to persevere. He uses difficulties to give us roots and wings. Let me pray for us. Father, you give us the power to persevere. Perseverance is a non-negotiable if we are to grow strong, deep roots, broad wings. We are going to experience things that are turbulent, difficult. In those times, it will be tempting for us to feel as if you're either unaware 
or that you don't care, neither of which is true. You allow us, you cause us to go through trials in order to build trust in us. You would have us come to you seeking the wisdom that, does, that won't necessarily eliminate the tension created by the trial. Tension is a normal part of experiencing turbulence. You don't promise that the tension will be removed or eliminated. Trusting in you means not that the tension will be eliminated. It means that we'll be able to endure it. It might not lead to great feelings, but you're going to, that's how you teach us to trust you. I thank you for the fact that you do care for us. And I pray that you would help us as we learn to walk with you, that we would develop roots and wings in Jesus' name. Amen.